Welcome to Co-Water Voice. We voice critical views and marginalized aspirations within the water development sector. Co-Water is a postdoctoral research program funded by the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program, Marie Skodowska-Kuri Action. Co-Water examines conflicts over water resources and water territories and seeks to understand the conditions of possibility for turning conflicts into civil society co-production. I am Pratimi Vidyatmi Putri, the University of Kassel in Witzenhausen. In this first episode of Spring 2022, I invite you to know where and whom I'm working with. As many of you have known, Amari Skodowska-Kuri Postdoctoral Fellow chooses an institution to host their research project at the time of proposal submission. I was very lucky that Professor Andreas Thiel was interested to support my research idea. Since 2016, Andreas Thiel has been leading the Department of International Agriculture Policy and Environmental Governance at the University of Kassel. In 2013, He has defended his habilitation at Humboldt Universität zu Berlin with a thesis titled Developing Institutional Economics for Analysis of Social Ecological Systems. Andreas Thiel is a member of the Vincent and Elino Ostrom Workshop in Political Theory and Policy Analysis. I have been wanting to study about the works of Elino Ostrom and it is a great match to have chosen him as my supervisor. I think I'm in the right place not only because of that, but also because he has been working on the topic of water governance in a critical manner. In a fine afternoon, I spoke to him about institution, scale in governance, as well as the politics of problem solving. Consulting your publications, I read you as a scholar that has been working on the topic of institutions and their transformations. You employ this institutional analysis in all of your works to understand dynamics and roles of institutions in the sustainability of multifunctional landscape, for example, in transnational river basin management or in water policy making and water sector development, as well as in agricultural policy and food system. In your empirical works, you have critically assessed the role of transnational governments, welfare state, ultranational institutions like the European Commission, as well as private firms, farmers, and informal communities. You draw further on institutional analysis to develop a framework of sustainability and polycentric governance. But I wonder why institution, why, why you have been focusing on it, what interests you the most in this focus? Well, thanks a lot. Um, I notice you have um, looked at my work quite seriously. Uh, so it's very nice to hear this summary and, and, and your perspective. And certainly it's, it's a very good question that you put here. Why institutions? I mean, I do think it has a lot to do with my uh, academic upbringing, if you want to say so, or my disciplinary upbringing, maybe rather. Um, so I'm an economist by training and uh, institutions didn't play any role 
in my master up to master degree education uh, and also afterwards um, they only even during my phd they only played a role implicitly um, they weren't the focus of my work but i kind of came to the fact that um, institutions being a shorthand for i do think crucial elements of social structure play in a, a huge role obviously and um, them being very much underemphasized and kind of really neglected entirely in, in general economics um, misleads uh, general economics very much, uh, certainly in the context that I like to study, which are um, empirically, more empirically rich uh, contexts of resource governance or um, interactions between people and institutions, I think, provide a nice entry point um, to, to discuss collective endeavors of very different kinds. Now, I'm not talking about collective action only. I'm also talking about competition and the way it's set up by institutions, by rules and regulations. Also talking about hierarchies um, and state uh, structures, which are strongly uh, determined by institutions. Institutions are everywhere. It's a, it's an it's a very versatile entry point into a huge diversity of problems, as you know. And they also allow you to talk about things from very different perspectives. Now, institutions are tools, if you want to say so, of transaction cost minimizing, but they're also tools of suppression, of exclusion, and they guide our behavior as much as our thinking in part now. Um, so they are just this very uh, colorful, you could almost say, element um, in, in explaining human behavior in interactions with others that, that is kind of sufficiently um, complex or sufficiently, uh, well, black boxed also. Um, that I find it very interesting to talk, to, 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 to address it. Yeah. it. I think it is very powerful in explaining many, many uh, aspects of social life, not, not, not saying that it's the only or anything, but I, I mean, there's hardly anything that doesn't touch upon institutions. I mean, material aspects touch upon institutions, discourses, perceptions touch upon institutions. So you could, I would see it mainly as an entry point to talk about this complexity and, and kind of to bring it together in something that guides our behavior and interaction um, and, and that therefore also lends itself to some extent to manipulation, meaning what in some papers people or also myself we call institutional crafting or maybe i mean um, to make it more accessible to non-academics that would be closer to policy design uh, we are not saying that you can determine people's activities but obviously policies play an important role and they affect institutions they they can affect interactions of people um, and that as an entry point for policy relevance of this work. Um, so I kind of came to discover institutions over my pathway, and I found um, them everywhere subsequently. 
And I found them so important as and, and shaped in such a um, multifaceted manner that I just continue to be very interested here. Um, and it lends us to talk about many different things. No? So it's also a useful, it's also a useful uh, kind of core interest, I think, to develop research. And which international um, think tank wouldn't kind of uh, advocate something like good governance or the like. No, I'm not saying that I'm advocating that. No, but it's it has been sinking in very much that we need to understand social structures of this kind in order to 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 provide for context specific and context relevant advocacy. It's also useful from that perspective, as it's useful as mentioned to yeah well, institutional design and crafting and in one way or the other then lending itself towards development of recommendations, policy recommendations. Yeah. It's connectable to the practical world. Talking about institutions, it seems that it is unavoidable to talk about scale. How do you conceptualize scale in governance? Is it an analytical lens to evaluate the operations of place-based governance systems? the operations that entail many processes outside their territories of governing. I don't know if my formulation makes sense. Perhaps not all governance is place-based or has particular spatial location, but I wonder if scale is a, a spatial feature in the way you employ scale in your works. I think there are basically two ways of understanding scale in, in my world. Um, and that's on the one hand, um, the scale of governance has an important role to play for um, the challenges and the context in which governance um, emerges or is, is organized. So there's the plain spatial scale, if you want to say so. Um, which um, has an important role to play for the difficulties of people getting together in processes of negotiation, um, large territorial scale covering covered by governance is different from a small territorial scale as a very plain, uh, simplistic, almost um, connection there. Um, but it's also scales of societal organization, you could say, um, that is more in relation to also jurisdictions, which can be formalized or not, which again relates to a more transaction cost perspective on governance, um, making governance more or less difficult in a sense and uh, cumbersome and therefore also maybe successful or not. As I do think it's from the perspective of particular agents engaging in governance, I do think that it has a role to play what efforts they need to spend on governance, meaning ordering affairs in their interest usually in relation to the benefits that they gather from this or that they expect uh, the interests that they hope to realize that way. And, with, um, and so also jurisdictional scales can also be to different degrees accessible by different agents. People can be deliberately excluded from certain jurisdictions and decision-making processes, or they are outrightly included. And that comes more to the, what I understood some geographers talking about as the politics of scale, which is about exclusion and inclusion in decision-making processes to some extent, which can be associated with particular scales of jurisdictional scales. No? So this actually refers to three dimensions of scale. I mean, to space, 
social organization and jurisdictions and kind of with jurisdictions, the question of exclusion and inclusion. So, I mean, there's further notions of what scale is about related, cross-related to the idea of different jurisdictions. Um, people talk about institutions also operating on different scales. So institutions and governance being nested where you have um, kind of constitutional elements of institutions um, that are subject to decision-making by particular um, jurisdictions and other day-to-day -day practices, which are decided by, again, by maybe people that meet on a day-to-day -day practice. Which So scale is a problem for governance and scale may be a, a, an instrument to exclude or include into governance. I think maybe that's in a nutshell. I would see it. Yeah, thanks. I think I think it's showing uh, how it's very related to these two concepts, institutions and scale. And you have mentioned before the problem solving, and, and now I, I will ask you a very specific question about it. So you have addressed the politics of problem solving in researching natural resource governance and analyzing the social ecological relations in it and around it. So this term, Problem solving interests me much, and I wonder if ethically we should always conduct research in social science for solving our societal problems or the socio-ecological problems instead of, uh, you know, just ending it at explaining the causal mechanisms. And this orientation to problem solving is much advocated by Eleanor and Vincent Ostrom, whose works are really familiar to you as you are part of the networks of the Bloomington School of Political Economy, or, or the, known as the Ostrom Workshop. But whose problems are being solved? And you, you have asked yourself uh, this question, and this is the title of a chapter you have written together with Eric Swingado in the book, Ostrom's Tensions. Uh, these are edited by Roberta Helsbeck, Peter Botke, and Paul Dragos Aligica. Would you please tell us about this article and about this concern of problem solving with, within your career trajectory, let's say? Problem solving, I do think, is at the heart, at the heart of the endeavors of the Bloomington School of Political Economy. So finding the um, finding the institutional configurations um, that help agents to, to solve their problems um, as best as possible. And um, as many people before me and all over the place and always have <laughs> um, indicated, um, this focus on the problem solving um, easily forgets about the fact that there problem problems in the real world are always solved in the interests of certain agents and actors and therefore politics is about politics of problem solvings i mean but i do think it's important to say it's not just politics but it's politics of problem solving because that's i do think there is a there's an there is um, an important message that i find important at least to be transmitted here which is that um, first of all, problem solving needs to be studied 
Um, there are better and worse solutions, and that co-determines um, the solutions. So that refers, for example, to material aspects of water management, for example. No? Um, there are certain material constraints on how to um, provide for irrigation infrastructure, for example. No? And those are important to understand and to see how they affect the way this is uh, governed and ordered. No? Um, but that doesn't foreclose the fact that then the particular that the particular solution is still uh, in part technically determined, but also determined by the interests of those uh, that were uh, predominant in a certain moment in time in negotiating the particular solution. No? So political science research uh, tends to forget about the material dimension, the material determinants of um, of solving problems in a sense, or of let's therefore say um, policies, or I mean institutional configurations that are proposed to address water governance. They focus more on, only on the social structure and, and leave out the material um, aspects. And I do think it's important to highlight those as well, that no one is kind of, probably these problems are not solved in a, in a vacuum, but there's a material co-determination always. But all, and also politics of problem solving. A problem is always uh, socially determined. What is the problem and, and what is the kind of norm that declares something else a problem um, that is very particular from the perspective of any of us now. And there is, I mean, that's also implicit in different institutional approaches where there is a new institutional economics approach that, and very naive new institutional economics approach that sees institutions also as emerging and as developing in an evolutionary manner um, through some kind of invisible hand of competition where institutions um, in the end always will develop that um, maximize social welfare. Um, so here and there, then it's important to highlight um, that institutions uh, themselves are instruments of, of uh, certain interest groups and that those therefore have the means to develop solutions in their interests um, and following their normative uh, orientations. No? And um, when you started uh, to mention also then here this publication, um, this was an interesting little chapter um, that I've been uh, able to discuss a lot first with Eric Swingedal um, in relation to the Bloomington School, for example, and his work at the time on um, where he came from the idea of uh, the political, um, which is an interesting uh, set of concepts to think about politics and the political and to connect that to institutions because institutional orders um, are institutions are ordering and they are therefore constituting those that subscribe to um, these institutions, no, there's kind of a closed system and the political just points towards the fact that there's always something left out by any institutional configuration. No? And that's certainly a blind spot also of the uh, Bloomington School 
Uh, I don't think that invalidates the Bloomington School, but it's just something to put it into perspective. No? So it's, it's again about those that want to solve their problems uh, in their interest, potentially. And there's the politics going on of those that are part of negotiating how to solve problems um, and that there are rules by which this takes place. But in addition, and that's what Eric and many other political philosophers um, political theorists help us talk about the fact that there are um, aspects that are still outside of these uh, ordered, cis ordered spaces of negotiating institutions now. Um, and that's another level of politics. It's the political um, that is not even heard here. Um, that is obviously therefore also a, a constraint or a limitation to what is being discussed, what is at stake in institutional change and as institutional configurations now, because if many people are not heard, um, then they're, and, and if many people are not involved into the discussions, um, then their um, claims and their ideas, their knowledge will not be, will not be considered in, in the outcomes either. No? Well, I mean, from, so that may lead to, Injustices may lead to um, stalemate and in institutional change, uh, to marginalization. It may lead to um, broader problems of legitimacy um, and and bad functioning of institutions. Therefore, as well, for lack of acceptance uh, and beyond um, kinds of opposition, depending really on how this depending to some extent on how this interface between the political and politics is developing over time, how maybe also permeable it may be. Because, I mean, it's a, by ordering, you, you create uh, unordered spaces that nevertheless over time probably need to be integrated to be, and, and there needs to be some uh, a, a permeable interface to, to have, um, society advance and not marginalized um, marginalized groups um, feel left behind here, yeah, I guess. Um, so that was a very nice paper, very interesting paper, and certainly a huge research agenda to go after at some point uh, in a structured manner. Um, so I hope, Prativi, you will do this, um, because I think your project is going just into that direction. Uh, and that's very, very exciting, I think, to bring these ideas together. Thank you, Andreas, for your insight.